And from the KTOO Newsroom, I'm Anna Canny. A Sitka-based residential treatment program for Alaska teenagers is moving to Juneau. Raven's Way treats teens who have been diagnosed with substance use or dependence. It's operated by the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH. But sometime later this year, the program will merge with Juno Youth Services, which SEARCH is in the process of acquiring. SEARCH's communications director, Linda Schaefer, says details are still being ironed out, but SEARCH offered jobs to all of Raven's Way, Way, Raven Way's staff. So a, a good chunk, 80% of the current Raven's Way staff in Sitka have been offered positions uh, in Sitka as well uh, because we are going to use the space that's vacated by Raven's Way, the buildings there uh, in Sitka, for, to expand our adult uh, substance use treatment program. The remaining staff that were not offered positions in Sitka have been offered positions at the new Raven's Way campus in Juneau. So there isn't anyone that was not offered a, a position, period. Schaefer says this means Sitka's adult substance use program will effectively double in size as well. Like Raven's Way, Juno's use, Juno Youth Services provides residential treatment for teens as well as therapeutic foster care and case management. Schaefer says it's too soon to say exactly what combination of services will continue to be provided, but one of the purchases of Juno Youth, but once the purchase of Juno Youth Services is finalized, it will be known as the Raven's Way campus. Regardless of where it is, Raven's Way has been very important and very impactful. We understand that. And we want it to still, it will still benefit youth that are struggling with drugs and alcohol or, or alcohol. Um, and then youth outside of Southeast Alaska will have a direct route to get to Juneau, which will allow us to expand the program, reach and impact. And I think that's a great thing. Um, and also, I think the expansion of the substance abuse services for adults in Sitka is going to go a long way to helping a lot of families and folks, uh, you know, recover and get better. Raven's Way was in the news this time last year when Search closed Crossings, a wilderness program for at-risk youth based in Wrangell, which was one of the community's largest private sector employers. At the time, four of the 16 staff members were offered jobs at Raven's Way. The other 12 were offered commiserate positions in Wrangell. Since Search is still in the process of acquiring Juno Youth Services, the timeline for the move to Juno hasn't been nailed down yet. But Schaefer says the class of teens that graduates from Raven's Way this April will be the last group to complete the program in Sitka. House Democratic leaders in Alaska are trying to restore anti-discrimination protections for gay and transgender Alaskans after the state attorney general quietly rolled back back those protections last summer. LGBTQ Alaskans say it's long overdue. Alaska Public Media's Kavitha George reports. Casey Kassort has been testifying for LGBTQ non-discrimination bills in Alaska since they were a teenager growing up in Fairbanks. Kassort, who identifies as queer and works as a field manager for Planned Parenthood Alliance Advocates, says they've never trusted that the state would protect LGBTQ people, even while protections were briefly in place last year. I've never uh, trusted that my right to be able to do all of those things, get a job, be in a house, you know, I have been protected because they've always been at the whim of an attorney general. An Anchorage Daily News and ProPublica investigation published last week revealed the Attorney General directed the Alaska Commission for Human Rights to void equal protections for LGBTQ Alaskans in areas like housing and financing. On Wednesday, the state's first-ever out queer lawmakers sponsored a bill in the Alaska House to enshrine anti-discrimination protections in law. 
Representative Jenny Armstrong, a West Anchorage Democrat who filed the bill, says it's both a human rights issue and an economic one for a state that is facing a deep labor shortage as people leave the state for opportunities elsewhere. With 10 years of out-migration, I can tell you one thing that won't reverse that is, you know, not having equal rights for people. If you want to have more businesses invest in this state, you can't have a business come here when there's different employment protections in different parts of the state and different housing protections. The rollback in protections occurred late last summer, according to the ADN investigation. Alaska's Attorney General Treg Taylor ordered the State Commission for Human Rights to remove sexual orientation and gender identity discrimination protections in all areas except employment matters. In an emailed statement, Taylor said the move was consistent with state law, which does not include sexual orientation or gender identity as protected classes. He said it's up to the legislature to expand the protections beyond employment matters. At the same time, under Taylor's leadership, Alaska is one of 20 states suing the federal government to block LGBTQ protections for people in schools and government jobs. Why would Alaska sue to discriminate against people and families like mine. Andrew Gray is an openly gay East Anchorage Democrat and a co-sponsor of the House bill. Gray says amid other recent actions from the Dunleavy administration, including proposals to limit the rights of gender nonconforming children in schools, the discrimination protections rollback feels like one piece of a socially conservative agenda. To me, it's all part of the same cloth. It's bringing lower 48 issues to our state, and they're supplanting the very real issues that we need to be working on. Gray and Armstrong acknowledge the bill will face an uphill battle in the Republican-controlled House this session. It still needs to pass through three committees before it comes to the House floor, and it's possible time will run out. Wasilla Republican Jesse Sumner chairs the Labor and Commerce Committee, where the bill currently sits. He says he needs to take a closer look, but could be in favor of the bill. Possibly. I don't know that I'd be opposed. Other committee chairs, Democrat C.J. McCormick and Republican Sarah Vance, did not respond to requests for comment. In the meantime, Kasort, the Fairbanks field manager, says the fight for anti-discrimination protections can feel disheartening. But they're hopeful watching a new generation of queer lawmakers pushing for change. I know so many young people who've moved out of the state because we don't feel safe here. But I also know so many queer and trans people who live here and it's our home and we're not leaving. Senator Scott Kawasaki, a Fairbanks Democrat, is crafting a similar bill to create LGBTQ protections on the Senate side, but does not yet know when it will be introduced. Reporting in Anchorage, I'm Kavitha George. Protecting, reclaiming, and revitalizing nearly two dozen Alaska Native languages is the aim of the Alaska Native Language Preservation and Advisory Council. A bill in the Alaska legislature is looking to assist the council in that effort. Gnomes Greg Knight reports. House Bill 26, authored by Juno Representative Andy Story, is seeking to rename the body as the Council for Alaska Native Languages and would also increase the number of voting seats on the council from five to seven. The bill was recently heard in the House Tribal Affairs Special Committee. All members are appointed by the governor, and the council is made up of language experts from diverse regions of the state. Hene Lance Twitchell is the chair of the council and a professor of Alaska Native Languages at the University of Alaska Southeast in Juneau. 
He testified at the Alaska State Capitol on Wednesday afternoon. Alaska is home to 23 known indigenous languages, and according to recent research by the Alaska Native Language Preservation and Advisory Council, none of them are safe. Twitchell spoke to two priorities of the council's work. Revitalization is also what we do, which involves, in my mind, two things. One, protecting the speakers that you have while creating new ones. And two, ensuring that our languages are languages of power and use. Reclamation is also what we do, which is making sure that our languages are used in a wide variety of social and physical spaces. And Twitchell also spoke to the level of destruction that was caused culturally, spiritually, and emotionally by the suppression of native languages. Because of the active suppression and genocide of our languages, we face an unnecessary and often silent death march. I encourage this panel to support this bill so we, the council, can have a name more fitting for the diverse range of work that we are doing. We also need additional representation on our council. 23 languages requires more than five voting members. Testimony on overcoming traumas also came from Yayuk Bernadette Alvana Stimfel, the vice chair of the council and director of the Kowarik Eskimo Heritage Program. To break this trauma, indigenous people have to work hard on cultural wellness in arts and ceremonies to revitalize what was lost. Alvana Stimfel says in her work, she's experienced seeing the cultural growth of indigenous youth that are exposed to their language. When young people came in to search for information on traditional dancing or listen to their grandparents or great-grandparents that were interviewed in Inupiaq or St. Lawrence Island Inupiaq, and they literally find themselves, their cultural activities are suddenly explained when they start learning the language. Resilience, according to Alvana Stimfel, is something that has kept the languages of Alaska alive no matter what through the course of time. We are reclaiming who we are and where we come from. We have come from thousands of years of not only surviving harsh environments, but also thriving in that very environment. Our language comes from our land, sea, and resources in the air. As of 2022, according to a council report, native language programs existed in 10 Bering Straits regional communities at the elementary through high school level and beyond. Public testimony will be taken on the bill during the committee's March 13th hearing. Those wishing to testify can reach out to their legislative information office for more information. Reporting in Nome, I'm Greg Knight.